Star Wars, talking about Star Wars, Margaret and I, oh, here we are, podcast. <laughs> uh, hello, welcome to the Anarcho Geek Power Hour. It's, uh, it's, it's a podcast. Um, we are just trying to do, uh, trying to do a, fu- a fun, fun little podcast for us. Come on this journey, won't you, where we talk about nerd bullshit um, with all Yay. our pals. I- and I got a pal right here, and you just heard her, and it's Margaret Kiljoy. Margaret, how's it going? Good. Hello. Um, thanks for having me on as a guest on your show. I'll probably be trying to talk my way into being on this particular show a lot because it's a pretty cool premise. Oh yeah, cause, yeah. Any anytime, door door is always open because we because uh, we're all living on the same fortified mountain compound. Um, so. <laughs> Um, yeah, the general premise of the show is just we're going to talk about nerd bullshit and ooh, we got one right out, right out the gate, something I'm just, just over the moon about. We got and or. That's no nerd. moon. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's a television show uh, <laughs> and, a, and a fairly good one. Mar- Margaret, what's your, what's your background with Star Wars? I grew up not liking it as much as Star Trek, to be real. But now that I'm Fair. older, well, actually, both both uh, franchises are really hit or miss. But I like a lot of the newer Star Wars stuff, and I particularly liked Rogue One, so I was particularly excited about Andor. Same. How about you? Well, yeah, more more or less same, though. Um, you know what? Let's scale that back. I am captured by Star Wars. Star Wars has my ass for life because I like it for the same reasons I like like the Ramones, like, cause I grew up with it and it's stupid and it's stupid and simple and it's easy. And that's why I liked it. I'll watch, I'll, I'll, I'll watch all that garbage. And yeah. would you believe they made a good, they made a good star war, not just a good star war, but a good show about my favorite shit, which is morally complicated resistance movements. <laughs> it really is kind of a, a gift specifically to you, but to probably half the people listening to this too. Yeah. If you haven't, well, if you haven't seen, uh, and, or I highly recommend it, pause, pause this podcast and, uh, and return to it, uh, maybe someday, but, uh, go watch Andor cause we are gonna talk about spoilers. Um, yeah, like, the whole premise basically in, in a star war, you got your, you got your Jedi's, you got your space lasers, between all the all the Banthas and the R two D twos and the jizz music, you forget that the plot <laughs> is about a rebellion, and finally they're fucking doing something with it. I grew up really into Star Wars. It was like my first, it was my first fantasy, sci fi, anything, and I read a lot of the extended universe, which is no longer canon. Chewbacca is no longer canonically killed by a planet, which is a real shame. Um, <laughs> When did uh, they wait? When did they retcon it all? When did they take the extended universe out? When Mickey Mouse got his hands all over this franchise, they uh, they said none of, none of that. No, we're not dealing with any of that shit. So uh, they just pick and choose the stuff from the extended universe they want to fuck with, and um, some of it stayed, some of it went. It's all it's all Calvin Ball in uh, in the galaxy now, but. Um, yeah, even in the extended universe before, though, there were a few like really great, like the Han Solo trilogy. Um, it's been, mm-hmm. you know, like a decade, but I remember it really, really fucking whipping. And these are the books, right? Yes, the books. Um, okay. And a couple of others uh, deal with like the rebellion, but not, not like, not like this. Not, and we're not going to. Well, Margaret, I don't know about you. I'm not here to argue that Rogue One is anarchist propaganda. No, However, but I might argue that Andor is anarchist propaganda. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm not here to argue and Andor is anarchist propaganda made by, made by the Mickey Mouse Corporation. But me as an anarchist, am, re- am really fucking enjoying it. And I just let, I, I was trying to get everybody into this for so long because it's like, obviously coming from this place of knowledge of the continuum of revolutionary 
movements. The writer said he was influenced by like Palestine and the Russian Revolution and the Haitian Revolution. We watched Rogue One mm. the other day and you pointed out, why does everyone have the slightest Irish burr? Um, <laughs> and I think because they were also influenced, especially in the funding uh, about, uh, especially in like the Mon Mothma funding of like the Irish Revolution. But um, okay. But yeah, let's let's uh, let's get into it. Get into it. Um, we both recently finished. Um, and or what do you think overall? I liked it. And I'm kind of I mean, I'll watch junk TV, you know, because uh, life is short and why not spend my short life watching it? OK, I don't have a really good excuse for why I watch junk TV, but I will happily watch mm-hmm. junk TV uh, if, you know, when I need to turn my brain off or whatever. And so I kind of like go into almost any TV show sort of expecting that. And then instead I found like actual depth and like a less one or two dimensional resistance movement than I I see basically any time I watch, especially TV, but movies as well. Like resistance movements are so always clearly painted by people who've never either read history or threw a rock at a cop, you know, and like. I don't want to make any uh, criminal accusations towards anyone involved in writing this, but I will guess they've at least read history, if not thrown a rock at a cop. Yeah, there's don't throw rocks at cops, kids. It's I'll do whatever you want. Don't I'll say me. it. I got I got less to lose. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go, <laughs> go, fight go the ahead. empire. Yeah, yeah. Fight the empire. Everybody, uh, subscribe to our Patreon so you can see the video of me doing hand quotes. <laughs> um yeah it is a there's dimension in it that (laughs) i was not expecting from star wars i what and i don't really expect from from anything it's like writing writing is a hard job being able to like express like the moral complexity of a of a gorilla a gorilla cell who's gonna go ro- go rob a big bank on some on some fucking planet but they did it they pull they pulled it off really well yeah tell me about um tell me about the how this relates to the funding of the irish revolution i don't know if you have other direction that you want to take this but like i'd be really interested in like some of the more obvious or some of the historical parallels that we've picked up on um and i I would love to hear more about that. I was noticing the fact that uh, they had Mon Mothma up in the mix, who is a character from the original Star Wars, who's the one who's sort of, she says, many Bothans died bringing us these plans. And she's always given the given the spiel and um, bringing her back as like someone who's down for like, she's not she's not involved, obviously, but she's like doing whatever she can to like get the money to these people who are off fucking killing cops across the Mm -hmm. galaxy while still like sitting pretty in high society and like working in parliament in this, in this very like subdued liberal way that is like towing the line in a way that a lot of, um, especially like Irish representation in England was, and even Mm. in some English representation in England was and um, like it's definitely like no there's nothing that's one to one on on Andor and I wouldn't say that but like the way the IRA and the like pre IRA revolutionary movements funded themselves was a lot from the Irish diaspora who like made it big in Boston and New York sending money back or set or straight up sending boats full of guns back. Yeah. Okay. To see to see not only the like the the scrappy people in the woods ready to do whatever and the shadowy um Stellan Skarsgård who I would love to get into because I I love I love the whole Skarsgård brood but Stellan especially to see not only the like the cloak and dagger part of things but the um be able to have some fucking Game of Thrones political intrigue was yeah. very was very fun. Okay, well, and, and to kind of continue with the the Irish fundraising thing, I'm I'm sure someone out there 
fortunately I don't live in the parts of the internet where people complain about this shit, is like complaining that like two of our primary revolutionaries are uh, in a gay relationship, right? And, you know, two women who are who are dating and, you know, the tension in their relationship based on which one prioritizes love and which one prioritizes revolution. But Ooh, I love that. Someone somewhere is like, oh, they're making all these people gay or whatever. There's no gay revolutionaries in history. First of all, it's like obviously bullshit. But in terms of the Irish Revolution, uh, one of these such a good example of a character who does actually feel kind of a an Andor Star Wars character is this. Um, have you heard of Roger Casement, the the gay Irish knight? Mm-hmm. Um, if anyone's listening, the, there's this guy named Roger Casement who was a big part of bringing down uh, King Leopold from Belgium, the fucking monster who murdered millions and whatever. He's one of the worst people in all of history. Um, World historical ghoul. Yeah. And so there was this like colonial Irish guy who was like part of the English colonization of Africa. And he was like, oh, I'm on the wrong team. Like absolutely on the wrong team. And he got like really into um, Irish nationalism as well as working really hard to fight against uh, the exploitation of Africa and South America actually. And then he like went and spent his life and lost his life smuggling guns um, into Ireland for the for the Easter Rising, and he was so fucking gay, just so completely tragically gay. And I don't know, he feels like a very Star Wars character. I guess he's not again; he's not one for one. But yeah, these. But he was part of the English establishment. He was a fucking knight, you know. Yeah, and there was plenty of those. I mean, in every. In every movement, you you know, death to the bourgeoisie, whatever, whatever. But ooh, you can get a lot done if you if you know it in, if you know in your heart what's right and you're in yeah. those positions. And just as and as an aside, because I because it, it wouldn't it wouldn't do to zero in on this, but maybe on a later episode, definitely on a later episode. But there, yeah, yeah, queers have been in every revolutionary movement in the early in the nineteenth century. There's a quote. Um, from somebody from some open openly queer person that says, if you want to be yourself, you go find the anarchists. Um, oh yeah. I can't remember who's that quote is from. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah. And, uh, and so it, it, it makes sense. And I really like that we've entered a, a stage of gay representation in, in Hollywood or whatever mainstream TV where it's not like the shocker. I mean, there's a little bit, they play a little bit on the like, Oh, <gasps> They're gay, but only like the tiniest little bit. And no one is upset by it, you know? And that's kind of nice. Yeah. And I, it's a little bit of a hobby horse of mine that I, the great media, the big media establishment knows that by and large, the people consuming things like liberal culture is very ascendant in, in media. We'll see how long that lasts, but they know that you know, representation or whatever, like sells, you can sell a terrible movie on the concept of representation. When you put a diverse cast at there, like the writer's room and and the, and the people making the decisions are still lily white and straight, but they'll, they'll sell it to you with whatever. And, uh, star Wars very famously was like, we got a gay kiss in this one. And it's like two women kissing in the background very easy to edit out for um, whatever international audiences wouldn't allow something like that there, like dog yeah. shit. This one where they don't, it's not a big deal. It's just a fact. It's not. Yeah. It's just a fact of it that they, that they are lovers in a, in a struggle together. And the tension being that, like you said, one is more, ca- is, um, not more committed to the cause, but like the relationship is, is eclipsed by the cause. Certainly. Yeah. is like, like a great, a great tension to play with. And I'm excited to see, like they at least have a season two to, to play around with. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of funny watching this because it's like, well, you know how the characters end up like, yeah, you know, you know that Andor isn't ending up with Bix in any way that like, at least like in any way that is worth note in in rogue one you know and then Mm -hmm. also um spoiler they're all gonna die um well at least at least cassian andor is okay well my other historical parallel that i want to draw that i've been like thinking about a whole bunch since i saw it there's this whole trope within it and i really am curious to see what they'll do with it i'm i'm afraid they'll do it badly but so far they've kind of earned my trust more than most things 
there's this thing about authoritarianism on the rebel side, right? Um, mm -hmm. There's this tension. I am incapable of remembering names. You've got your head honcho revolutionary guy, right? Who is the, the doomed revolutionary? What's his name? Skarsgård? Luthen? Yeah, that's the actor's name. The one who's who's a um, antique seller. Yeah, you don't remember his name either. Luthen, something. Okay, Luthen. So you've got Luthen, and he is the tragic leader, and he specifically refers to himself as doomed at one point. And I think that this is probably consciously a reference to Catechism of the Revolutionary by Sergei uh, Nechiev. Um, and Sergei Nechiev was this. Uh, this Russian revolutionary nihilist who, uh, actually, if you want to hear me and Io talk about uh, Sergei Nechiev, listen to my episode of Cool People Who Did Cool Stuff on the Russian nihilists. Find it anywhere you find podcasts, folks. Yeah. And I fucking hate this guy, the historical guy, <laughs> Sergei. Like, he is trash. And he is absolutely the kind of guy who will get his friends arrested on purpose in order to advance the cause without asking their permission or telling them what's happening. Right. And I think he has like lost his ethics in what he's doing and his whole thing. He writes this book called catechism of the revolutionary. That is the revolutionary is a doomed man is one of the main concepts of this book in which basically like you don't have friends, you don't have lovers, you have the revolution and you will die. And it has like a romance to it. It has like a beauty to it, right? I think fundamentally mm -hmm. it's a flawed concept. But what's really interesting to me is that in, in Andor, you have a character who I believe is a, a conscious reflection of the Sergei uh, model. Although Sergei was not actually the leader of revolution. He wanted to be, but he was a fucking whatever. He was this also tried guy who fucking killed his own side more than he killed the other side and all around sucked. And so, so Luthen is almost this like, the positive incarnation of a Sergei Nechev so far in that he's doomed and he makes the hard calls and stuff, but he's not quite a fully authoritarian leader. You know, there's a couple points where he um, gives people full information and lets them make their own decisions. His assistant, whose name I also don't remember, clearly has a, can exert a certain amount of power over him. He's not quite a dictator. And He's clearly tormented by the fact that in some ways he is a dictator of, of the revolution. And the thing that I find interesting, I'm almost done with this rant, um, and I'm really curious your, your thoughts about it. The thing I find really mm -hmm. interesting about it is how it compares to the manifesto that were being presented by the dead kid. Nemix, the fucking hot, the hot space, the space twink, the crime, the crime think loving little revolution, the, the crime yeah. twink. Yeah, the crime twink. Um, who rules and I love his character because he's like afraid but he like does it anyway even though it literally kills him like that is mm -hmm. something to aspire to uh, I mean I want to survive but it's I aspire to be crushed by a metaphor for galactic capital myself yeah exactly <laughs> um, and in his manifesto that we start exploring right at the end of the season he talks about the enemy specifically as authority in a way that like, this is why earlier I was like, I will go to bat a little bit about Andor being anarchist propaganda, but only a little bit, right? But it's not, the enemy isn't the empire. The enemy is authority in what he, what mm. he is writing. Um, and I'm wondering whether this will cause conflict in future episodes or whether they kind of, in this case, mean authority, mean like big old authority, like the empire, not like a Skarsgård's character. But I, I'm really excited about that tension. I'm really excited to see what they do with it. Yeah, me too. I love that he has his little, his little monologue, that beautiful, <laughs> that beautiful monologue. I've made my mind into a sunless place and I, I work for a sunrise that I will never see. And I'm yeah. damned for what I do and, and all, and all that shit as he's talking to this this guy who infiltrated the the empire to give them all information and he's prepared to preparing to sacrifice uh, a squad of like nine people on his team just so the empire doesn't get wise. Um, yeah, it's like 30 people, I think. It's a bunch of people. Up to a, a, a too, too many people. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll go ahead and say it. 
Um, yeah. But yeah, he um, he does represent that very like the revolutionary is a doomed man thing in a more competent, braver way than um, than that fucker. Yeah, but I, but I love it. It's more it's yeah. morally. I mean, revolutions are morally complex. You're not going to get out of them with your hands clean. And I like that they're not like the original the the original star wars um is uh is past is past the point where there's nothing you where the rebellion has been built up but to organize something at that scale in a galaxy of apathetic or unorganized or unmotivated people is um is going to be a fucked process especially when um he's like yeah we want we want the empire reacting. We want them. We want them cracking down and making people's lives miserable. Like, uh, like, yeah, like obviously fuck that. And, but acts of insurrection are going to make your enemy crack down in that way. And he's, he's preparing for that eventuality. Yeah. So he once again is presenting this like, like there's a version of him that he could be a like full on accelerationist, right? Accelerationism being the concept of like kind of making things worse so that people realize they're bad and then try and make things better or whatever, right? And and he absolutely he makes several statements about how like look it's going to get worse, right? But he's not quite so far. It's not like he's quite making things bad on purpose so much as he's not stopping them from getting bad. And to me, and maybe I'm just like, I want to like him. I'm talking about Luthen here. Uh, yeah. But to me, this is a really big, important difference, right? Like people have been making the claim that you shouldn't do anything disruptive because it'll like look bad or even more than that, it'll cause the police to crack down, right? Mm -hmm. um, and that claim stops people from resisting quite often because uh, mm -hmm. realistically, people don't want bad things to happen. That's why we're interested in fictional representations of revolution uh, is because we want a better world for our Star Wars characters. And since we want a better world, we want to take certain actions to try and get a better world. But when you turn it into a fight, the other side's going to fight too. And so, you know, I don't think that it is ethically on the person who throws a brick at a window I don't believe it is on them, the police crack down onto resistance movements that could result from that, right? Um, ethically. Uh, there's all kinds of arguments that people can make different ways about this. I think throwing the brick to make things worse is fucked up. But I think throwing the brick because it is the best expression and the best way that you are able to choose what to do. When the empire puts that moral weight on us as potential rebels and says it's your fault that we are hitting you, that is like, I mean, it's abuser logic and it's a, it's a real fucked up thing. And like, you know, you get into this, like the very, the climax of the entire season is that this kid who, uh, I have a shitty memory, I think maybe his dad got killed by the Empire, throws a bomb at the very end. And they did a haymarket. Yeah, he does a haymarket for anyone who wants to listen to that episode about <laughs> haymarket. It's a first episode ever of cool people do cool stuff in which someone throws a bomb at some cops when the cops have been really fucked up and the cops open fire and it causes this whole big fucking thing. Right. And and I'm not mad at that kid. Was it the right move? I've literally no idea. Right. And the world will never know whether Ooh. or not it was the right idea because we only get the one thing that we saw happen. Yeah, I'm always... I'm almost 100% of the time on people who have the bravery to try try some shit. Um, and the other side, like the fascist playbook is to use our conscience against us for for resistance yeah. by, in a in a stop hitting yourself type of way. Yeah. Um, that is not yeah, you can't like, I can't imagine somebody even having the foresight to to being like, oh, I'm going to do this because it'll make it worse. But the argument of just like, what will the news say if this happens right. or th this, that? And you're not going to get 
you're gonna turn people off from our side is this is has uh, has failed for has failed for centuries now um, i will say though i don't sorry i just don't want to fuck fuck with it anymore but i think as an ethical argument it is like a as a, i think it is a bad ethical argument to say like um that that kid shouldn't have thrown the bomb right in yeah. in this fictional star war that we're talking about um I, I i don't care about the ethical argument against that but if you're throwing a bomb at the oppressive force that is busy oppressing you your conscience is clear from my point of view right um the strategic question is where it gets really interesting and is it a good idea is a very different question from is it uh justifiable you know um and that's where it gets into like really messy stuff where it's like, well, that's just hard to know. I mean, the the history of people killing tyrants in, in on Earth uh, is, is a real mixed bag, right? Um, in terms of its efficacy. It tends to, assassinations do te- have a tendency to get messy. Yeah. And often they make everything worse and not just in a like, everything has to get worse before it gets better way, but sometimes in a like, no, everything just sucks now, um, and mm-hmm. and we but lost. The, but but the extant situation was unsus was like unsustainable. Something, right. yeah, like no one no one can predict how things will play out. But there was a chance that they could have could have gone well. And if no, if nothing else, you show you've shown power to be vulnerable. Um, yeah, which which echoes through history, and I don't know. I guess that I guess that's a a bigger question um, that we can keep getting into. But to bring it back into into Andor a little bit, uh-huh. as as for Nemec's uh, little manifesto, every act of insurrection pushes our lines forward. Um, yeah, the- go ahead. Sorry, no, go on. Yeah, and they even use the term insurrection there, right? Yeah, which is like um, <laughs> they got they got so explicit. I didn't expect them to. I know a manifesto fucking rocks. I know, and like, and it's specifically like I'm with. I think it's Kropotkin. I don't know. I actually just mostly, and I, I, I don't always read all of the the old books by the people. I usually read books about the people, but you know, dead Jesus. anarchist Kropotkin. I think it was him who was like, why do we have this like dichotomy between insurrection and revolution? It might've been Malatesta. One of these fucking dead anarchists was like, what a useless dichotomy between insurrection and revolution. Like revolutions are made up of like insurrections. That's what, you know, as compared to this, mm-hmm. like, you know, the, the traditional way of presenting the dichotomy is that you need to have, uh, you know, on a purely insurrectionist side, like all that matters is the insurrection. The the larger overarching goal is not worth attempting to accomplish um, or setting your sights on, right? And then on the purely revolutionary side, it's like, oh, don't do the insurrections because they'll diffuse our energy or they'll wake the sleeping dragon or they'll, you know, cause the cops to crack down on us or whatever, right? All that matters is building up the mass to have the one big glorious revolution. And like history at least the history of revolution is like, no, no, no insurrections are that manifesto is right. Like in Andor, they want to have a revolution. Uh, what that revolution should look like. There is not a agreement upon which kind of rules. Oh, that's the best. That's the best part of the show. When he, when he goes to meet, uh, Saw Gerrera, my, yeah. my man, the cool, yeah. the, the cool guy. Um, uh-huh. he's talking the about like, anarchist. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm not going to fuck with that guy. He's a, he's a human supremacist and those guys are separatists for et cetera, et cetera. And they're, they're, ide- I'm the only one pu- practicing pure ideology here or uh, yeah. whatever. <laughs> um, and I'm like, yeah, I've been in a room with him. <laughs> yeah, totally. But his, uh, but then they say his ideology He's like, well, anarchy is not an ideology. Or, I don't remember the actual quote. Yeah, and his response is just a, a shrug, because like, whatever, dude. I'm not. I'm not here yeah. to convince you. I'm off. He's on. Uh, maybe, maybe I'm just projecting what I want to see. But he's on the like. Yeah, you know, there's there's action, and then there's 
whatever whatever other useless <laughs> yeah. that surrounds what I, what ac- yeah. action is being taken. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, he's right. Yeah. Um, well, th- this is all like laying this ideological bedrock that m- eventually morphs into the same neoliberal government that easily falls to Death Star 3 and Force Awakens. Like, you've got... Um, like we can, we, we can keep on this, but maybe we should talk about uh, Rogue One in a, in a second because we just watched that a few nights ago. Like, the early days of a revolution are... Yeah. Ooh, so spicy. Yeah, and it's when, like, everything's still possible. And... Um, yeah. But to use Saw Gerrera to tie us into Rogue One, you know... Um, by the time Rogue One comes around, Saga Guerra is basically just like the terrorist who's still like, who's still just being like, no, nah, I know where the empire is. So I'm going to fuck him up. You know, yeah. he's not like trying to think like fourth dimensional chess or whatever. He's just trying to fuck up the empire. And like, I think that fucking rules. And I think that, uh, yeah, I, I, I like him. I mean, obviously, by the time Rogue One comes around, he's like um, uh, his neurodivergence has continued in a way that makes him probably unsuitable to be a leader of. He's had a anything. he's had a bit bit of a he's had a hard he's had a hard go of it. Yeah, he is. He does not mind revolutionary suicide. He is perfectly content with revolutionary suicide. By the time he gets his chance, yeah. How? <laughs> yeah. How could you not? Um, and they, the plot of Rogue One is they need to get close to Saw Gerrera. They so they break. Uh, I forget her. I forget her name. The main the main character of the movie. Um, yeah, they yeah. Break her out to get her close to Saw because they want. They just want to kill Saw because they're because ma- he's making them look bad. Essentially, yeah. And because they're developing into, yeah, like liberal revolutionaries. Hmm, mm-hmm. And saw and saw is still is still out there on Jetta, just just like stealing shit from the Empire, blow, blowing shit up. They can't get to him. Wait, I thought they weren't there to kill him. I thought they were there to kill protagonist's dad, and they just needed to get to Saul in order to find out where protagonist's dad was. Um, like right before they Andor gets on the ship. They're they're just mm-hmm. like all right. Remember that thing that we told her. Fuck that. No kit. When you see saw, kill him. Um, oh, though okay. I think they though I think maybe they do the same thing with uh, Mads Mads Mikkelsen's character. Okay, so that ties into what you're talking about. About um, you've got the like hard choices guy Luthen, right? And he's presented as like the real radical in in Andor, but it's the same attitude of kill people who are making us look bad. Because you're thinking about the big picture that leads us into the liberal stage of revolution that you're talking Mm -hmm. about, right? Where they, you know, are just going to end up being like this sort of like less interesting revolution and revolutionary movement. Um, And I I think that those are related. I think that the the cold, hard, calculating leader is absolutely the person who's going to be like, all right, kill Saul. All right, kill protagonist dad. Um, Because... Because they think they're thinking about strategy instead of ethics. Um, and I know ethics is like a a word that people have a million different thoughts and feelings about. But like what I, I mean, like doing what's right uh, rather than like what is believed to be the most strategic, I think is. And that's what I like about Saw is he does what's right, which is fight the empire. Um, yeah, I see. I see him as an ideological insurrectionary anarchist and. Luthen as just a straight up insurrectionary uh, who like a like an insurrectionary who wants to get extremely Sun Tzu about it all. Yeah. So a fucking I mean, a nihilist in like the Russian sense, not in the like anarchist sense, you know, um, because it's not a coincidence mm-hmm. that most of the Russian nihilists were like social Democrats at heart. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's getting a and little I, too off. the. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, like I don't I I do see I see a lot of people trying to square this um, to as like Disney published like anarchist propaganda. That's like this and that. And I'm like, I don't think they did that. It's it's in uh, it's set in outer space. It's uh, 
it's a thing, <laughs> but it's obviously made by people who like give a shit about these things. Like, and like you and me care about like the historical stories and context of revolutionary movements. Yeah. And it's from, it's from that perspective of people who like, who are interested and also think it's just think that uh, fighting cops is the coolest thing you can do with your life. Yeah. And making a show about cool people fighting cops. And that is cool to me. Yeah. Um, but uh, do you want to do you want to talk a little bit about uh, about Rogue One? Sure. So, um, well, I guess we were I guess we were already kind of kind of on it. Uh, Saw he lives in the holy sh- holy city of Jeddah, where the Jedi began as a society of monks and they were guardians against uh, galactic tyranny and fascism, but eventually became a liberal military arm of uh, the Republic or whatever the fuck. And a uh, bunch of other shit happens. But where I think, ooh, where this movie really starts screaming is you get to this fucking this stupid General Assembly is suddenly ready to uh-huh. pack it up because suddenly they're up against these overwhelming odds. And like, you remember that, that nerd, this fucking nerd shouts, what is she proposing? Oh, yeah, and, totally. <laughs> and every, and everyone's just like, oh, sh- oh, oh, crumbs. Well, I guess, I guess we're done for pack it in everybody. But luckily we yeah. got these plucky heroes. Um, yeah. This platoon of doomed men who say, fuck this, they go rogue because a man with nothing to lose and a sharp stick can take the day. And they're the <laughs> last chance to, to uh, save the galaxy, to do some overwhelming violence against the Empire against and go against all this bureaucratic cowardice. It's just a, a big, they all pack into one shitty spaceship. Uh, a bunch of cuddle puddle revolutionaries saying fuck it life sucks fuck the empire let's do a cool suicide and do they ever they wanted to get out i'm sure they did yeah (laughs) but they knew it was not it was not likely and and if it wasn't for this this is a part of canon uh this is a part of the extended universe canon that has transferred over the mon calamari you all know admiral akbar it's a trap etc um that that planets um and uh and and race of like people involved in the rebellion are like the most ready to throw down uh, <laughs> forever and i'm glad that that transferred over to rogue one everyone else is just like oh, p- oh beans well i guess the empire wins and mon calamari was like not today oh we've got rogue one awesome love those guys let's go <laughs> yeah, totally I mean, and that's why I like Rogue One so much, right? Yeah, is because you have your doomed revolutionary cuddle puddle that goes off to go do massive violence and steal some plans. And then the like solidarity that it will kill you is like what breaks my heart more than anything else. If you want to see me cry at a movie, like uh, the second Lord of the Rings movie when the the ride of the Rohirrim, when Rohan shows up to support Gondor, this is a safe space for nerd for being a nerd. So when when they no roll difference. up and they yell a red day, a blood day, and it's actually this uh, uh, Norse, um, not, maybe not Norse, it's this Scandinavian poem that's that Tolkien's ripping off, but it's fucking beautiful. And then they like scream like death, 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 and then like run charging into the forces of Mordor, right? Um, to have the backs of Gondor. That's when I start crying the most. Uh, consistently in in the Lord of the Rings trilogy, and so Rogue One operates on the similar principle of the like, well, fuck it, I guess we'll show up. Like, like sometimes when all your friends are jumping off a bridge, like you should probably show up to support them anyway, you know. Yeah. Um, and wouldn't like, you, wouldn't you rather die all at once rather than piece by piece? Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, which is you know from Andor, and then there's also a quote from uh, Black Elk speaks. Which I haven't read in a long time, and so I, I, I'm, I apologize for possibly paraphrasing this badly. But in the the war against the colonization of um, what later became the United States or whatever, right? Um, you know, a bunch of uh, people are sitting around being like, "Well, we should go to war against these fucking white invaders," and someone is like, "No, we shouldn't, right? Because uh, it's useless. If we do it, we'll die. It's like killing mosquitoes; you can kill them, but they keep coming." There's 
There's no point to it. And then the the rest of the council is like, all right, well, we're doing it. And this isn't fiction. This is a, a nonfiction piece. And and the same guy who was like, well, we shouldn't do this is like, well, I'm coming with you because I'm not a coward. You know? And I I really like that concept within Rogue One. The like, well, this isn't how we wish it had gone. This wasn't what we planned. But we're not going to fucking just let you go out and do that on, on your own. We're not cowards. Obviously, some of the people mm. in that council chamber were cowards. Yeah, a lot of people didn't show up. And I think a lot of other people were invested in the in the assembly or didn't invested in the in building an army against the empire rather than we can get we can really get a lot done with some sabotage we can get a lot done with with a a plucky group of of fuckers yeah just uh plopping plopping down and and uh put putting on some weird uniforms yeah and it it was considered right like i think a lot of what we're talking about about like insurrections are what push us forward you know it wasn't like a like let's just i know where we can go throw a bomb let's just go throw a bomb randomly they were like what are we gonna do you know um like the first big action in andor is like we're gonna steal all this money because we need it right um Mm -hmm. and so all of the actions have a purpose they tie into a strategy and i love that's one of the other things i love about rogue one right is like you know, all right, well, against all odds, we're going to go get the Death Star plans, you know, um, rather than just we're going to go explode a thing because the Empire is lots of things, you know, they got, lot, they got lots of things. And I'm I think that I think that there's a there's a poetry and an affirmation of life in attacking something symbolically. But uh, yeah, what you've got you got a symbol and a rush of adrenaline and a and a huge danger to yourself and everyone else around you if you're going to put some danger out there be sure of it and uh i don't know maybe maybe have some maybe have a little bit more more payoff yeah in yeah like if you're in minecraft in, totally like in star wars you should you know think about like if you're gonna gamble at all you should wait till the pot is sweet i I don't know whatever um yeah no it's it's, go bigger go big and then go home yeah to your safe house i do think that the star wars rebellion in general does relate to a style of revolution that is less the style of revolution that i would guess the average person listening to this like thinks about like the history that they're drawing from, at least based on what you were saying is like, uh, national rebellions for against an oppressive outside force. Right. Um, you know, we haven't seen, we've seen revolutionaries on the capital planet, but we haven't seen them being like, here's how we're going to take the capital planet, you know, as ours, right. Because we're from here or whatever. Uh, Mm -hmm. instead you see all of these colonized forces, these colonized people, being like, we don't want to be colonized anymore. So we're now in this alliance of all these colonized people to fight against this oppressive force. Oh, that's just another uh, thing that I like. I like a lot about Andor in that uh, the end of the end of Ro- of uh, not not Rogue One of of a New Hope is just this like Lily this this uh, dais of of Lily White heroes of the rebellion that might as well be out of like triumph of the will and like cheering and Chewbacca doesn't get a medal. I know that's well-trod territory, but like justice (laughs) for my man and, um, Andor has very few white characters, uh, making up the, the core of the, of the rebellion. Yeah. Yeah. And there's kind of this funny problem that we're running into from a cultural point of view that all of a sudden we're watching all these prequels, right? Um, or at least like I, I watched the Game of Thrones show, the new one, House of Dragons, and I liked it. I liked it a lot. Um, I liked it possibly more than I like Game of Thrones. I have literally no idea whether that's a statement more that dra- everyone mad at me or not. And, more dragons. You can't argue with that. Yeah. And it's less white. 
it's still majority white, but it is like markedly less white. And there's something kind of depressing about watching these prequels that are less white. Something very, uh, something very bad must have happened between then and then. (laughs) Yeah. Even though what we're actually watching, of course, is that, um, you know, uh, the media that better better casting choices getting made. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I don't know. It's just something that I think about when I watch that kind of shit. This one, this one sort of maps to my, you know, my, my, uh, my headcanon of like, obviously it's just the casting choices are better now, but, um, it also maps to like successful revolutions. Um, and especially like the one that installs like princess Leia, a a princess (laughs) into like, royalty into positions of power in like a new neolib coruscant seated government eventually where like the people yeah. who did the dirty work saw Guerrera and andor and whoever else are long forgotten we're just we're all just cannon fodder for this yeah. respectable and hard they they fought hard but they but they were put in an impossible position but like let the let the lower caste get their hands dirty in a way that every successful revolution winds up, winds up doing, which is why like, like, you know, I'm obviously interested in, in a, in massive change, but the thing that really interests me is not the end result, but the, the process, the affirmation of life of being able to resist in your modern day and live for me anarchistically Mm -hmm but just live rebelliously in the time you are in, not for some far off future, not, uh, yeah. what am I supposed to do? Put, put all my, put all my fucking plans and morals on hold because I hope that the, that the proletarian revolution is going to come off some way, uh, come, uh, come around. If I, if I just joined enough DSA chapters, <laughs> Here's your sign. I mean, I feel like Andor gets into this kind of stuff in a a useful way with the um the whole prison sequence, right? Where they're in we prison. Talk about the prison break. <laughs> I know, and so they're all in prison, and they're all doing prison labor, and you know, it is a, a brutal regime, very controlled. It does the thing where like part of the systems of control it's very panopticon-ish like part of the systems of control is also that the uh i guess in that Foucault way or whatever right where like people are controlling themselves because they you know the prisoners are in charge of the prisoners on some level right yeah and, you got you got Gollum as the boss um yeah and oh i thought you were telling me we watched this together uh <laughs> i thought you were telling <laughs> me that the really old guy was Gollum. Uh, yeah, the, um, no, Andy Circus, the, the, the other prisoner is the guy who did mo- mocap for, uh, for God. The, okay. The one who, <laughs> no, I meant literally, literally column. I wasn't making, I wasn't being ageist against the Oh, old no, man. no. But I thought you were saying the old man was the person who did the motion capture for Gollum. <laughs> no, he, he used to be very spry. Okay. Okay. Um, I mean, uh, so, so go we all, you know, and, um, <laughs> And so, you know, so you have Gollum, who is the the sergeant, essentially, who's telling everyone what to do on the cell block. And then as soon as they know that they're doomed men, they're able to to be free, right? Um, And it is a very literal metaphor in this particular context that as soon as, and then the fact that they're like, what does freedom mean? Freedom means jumping into the water, even if you can't swim and trying, right? Uh, is yeah. a very non-subtle, and they just express it as beautiful. They just have this beautiful scene of everyone jumping in the water. They don't have a grander plan. They don't hold the guards hostage in order to. Get, I mean, to be clear, it might have been smarter if they had held the guards hostage in order to get like an escape vehicle. But whatever. Um, oh, they would have. They would. They would have just bomb bombed the planet. I know, maybe, but, but yeah, that's true. That's but you true. know, like like modern, you know, a modern prison uprising will hold God's, guards hostages for 
the sake of like the people who are holding the guards hostage hostage are going to get extra years on their well, a ton of extra time on their sentence if not outright killed by it but could win could wind up winning um better conditions for people inside i don't have i don't have uh faith that prison officials will uphold their end of the bargain but yeah, yeah. a resistant resistance is is beautiful no matter the end result somebody somebody yeah. slipped andy circus a copy of blesses the flame and they're all like fuck it let's go let's yeah dive. no let's go for a dive totally and like the ones who die immediately while throwing a wrench at the fucking armed guard are just as like beautiful and free as the people who swim to safety you know and like um no i really like that whole long extended metaphor that they did around what it means to just actually be free um which is why i do hold that the i don't know i mean i guess the real question would be to know the writers and uh, you know because like people talk about oh disney made this like no no disney didn't make this disney put their name on it it was made mm -hmm. by people in the same way that like workers make all value um you know the the writers and the actors and the the directors and and all of these people like made andor and yeah exactly so i don't know i don't know where i'm going with that but well, well i had a if you want to if you want to think about it mm -hmm. a bit i had i wish i could remember who said this so i would credit them but somebody um put out that um when disney was making was making the lion king and pocahontas at the same time they put all their stock into pocahontas um mm -hmm. and really micromanaged the entire project um i've never seen pocahontas it sounds like it's a decent movie um but lion king undoubtedly turned out awesome because the because all the writers and artists involved got creative control of it because they didn't have uh, they didn't have Walt over their shoulder the whole time. Same thing happened with Star Wars because Andor was being developed at the same time that Obi Wan Kenobi a a and nobody and nobody at me, but that <laughs> show was not good. I did not have a good time <laughs> watching Ewan McGregor do his thing again. But yeah, they really micromanaged that, and they were just like a thing that's like Rogue One. Sure, proceed. Um, and it makes me a little nervous about season two because they'll see that this is yeah. Is like, it and i've read i don't really know much about the writers i know that they were interested in like um palestinian resistance and the haitian revolution mm -hmm. and and things like that which you can see in the show yeah. and that the next season is going to get more into like the <laughs> the the shit that i was so excited about which was like the internal politics of of rebellions like i would love i would love to see saw Gerrera talk some more shit about about space uh Takunis or whatever but yeah yeah fing fingers crossed they'll they'll realize that it was a successful because they didn't get their fucking fingerprints all over it well maybe next year we'll be sitting down to do another episode and we'll be we'll know whether or not everything went to hell or whether it pulled it off. We're like, no, they, what they brought, uh, uh, R2D2 was there for some reason. <laughs> that's another, that's another great thing about this. Like it was like, I think it's great because the rebellion never really got it to do. It's like the entire plot of, of star Wars and nobody ever really like fucks with it. It's just like the, just like the scenery. Um, yeah. but also we don't have, we don't have to hear anything about space lasers and the Jedi and um, well, there, I guess there is a wise Kraken droid, but I love that little guy. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, and he's, I don't know. I mean, you need the wise Kraken droid in the same way that you need the animal who sits around and tells jokes or you know whatever. Like that is a good, a good character that gets added to TV and movies. Yeah, bring up the Ewoks. But, but it still was like way more. I mean, essentially, it's just more proletarian than like a working class mm -hmm. or whatever jargon word I'm supposed to use here. Um, instead of like space knights and space princesses and space royalty and, you know, all that shit. It's just like 
fucking people in the muck getting it done. Yeah, the space the space surfs out there, perfectly yeah. capable of of draining a stormtrooper. As, yeah, as good as Luke Luke Skywalker. Yeah. Well, I think we did it. We talked about everything in Andor. Uh, but Margaret, any final thoughts? I'm just I'm excited for the quality of the storytelling that we like now have available to us um, as we go forward, because the world is in, in very dire conditions right now and we need better stories or Gwen has the story of as the quote about like we need authors who can remember freedom you know and i i think that we're like we're starting to see those stories and we're starting to see them including in mainstream places and i think that's like one of the most promising things that i've ever seen uh as as a radical or whatever so i'm excited um who knows maybe it'll all go off the rails but for now is good there will always be small examples and whether it erupts soon being that freedom is a pure idea, or we just have to keep settling for these little diamonds in the rough. I don't know. I'm excited. Yeah. There does seem to be a lot more good stuff recently, but um, that's us. That's the Anarcho geek review. We did it folks. Um, Anarcho geek Margaret, power hour. That's the one. <laughs> that's what it was. <laughs> Uh, this is for anyone who's listening. We, there, we used to have a blog called Anarcho Geek Review, and that's not what this show is called. This show is, yeah, the this is Geek not. Power this Hour. is not related to the Anarcho Geek Review. We disavow. We yeah. disavow that. Rag. Disavow splitters. They're splitters. Yeah, yeah we've split. We've split off from them. They were ideologically unserious. Yeah, uh, Margaret, you want to tell people where where they can find you? Yeah, uh, I've got some podcasts. One is called Cool People Did Cool Stuff. I referenced it like three times in this article. I also talk about individual and community preparedness on another podcast by the same Strangers Network um, called Live Like the World is Dying. And until, well, by the time you listen to this, I might not be on Twitter anymore, but I'm currently on Twitter at Magpie Killjoy, Instagram at Margaret Killjoy, all that shit. Io, what about you? Um, I'm... As of this recording, still still on Twitter um, at Bumlung, um, and I'm also on Instagram at uh, at Bumlung. Um, and if I get on any other social media, fingers crossed, I won't have to. Uh, it'll probably be under that as well. Um, and before we go, I would I would love to thank. We have a Patreon, uh, Patreon.com/slash Strangers in a Tangled Wilderness, and I would love to thank some of our Patreon supporters right now Hoss the dog uh that's a good boy uh micaiah 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 thank you like Chris. isaiah oh actually like, I, huh actually that's funny that's wrong Mc, micaiah actually you better been right mick uh so, micaiah or micaiah please uh set, settle this bet and whichever one wins owes the other a coke um chris sam kirk eleanor Jennifer, Star O, Cat J, Chelsea, Dana, David, Nicole, Mickey, Paige, SJ, Sean, Hunter, Theo, Boise M -m 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 Mutual Aid, Milica, and Paparuna. Hope I got that one right. Uh, thank you. Thank you all for your support. Uh, big hugs and kisses out to all of you. And thank you, everyone who listened. And um, yeah, tune, tune in next time when we'll talk about some other nerd bullshit. And I'll see you at the movies. The times when the struggle seems impossible. I know this already. Alone, unsure, dwarfed by the scale of the enemy. Remember this. Freedom is a pure idea. It occurs spontaneously and without instruction. Random acts of insurrection are occurring constantly throughout the galaxy. There are whole armies, battalions, that have no idea that they've already enlisted in the cause. Remember that the frontier of the rebellion is everywhere, and even the smallest act of insurrection pushes our lines forward. And then remember this. The Imperial need for control is so desperate because it is so unnatural. 
tyranny requires constant effort. It breaks, it leaks. Authority is brittle. Oppression is the mask of fear. Remember that. And know this, the day will come when all these skirmishes and battles, these moments of defiance will have flooded the banks of the Empire's authority, and then there will be one too many. One single thing will break the siege. Remember this. Try. <laughs>